0: I want to reiterate this week, as we go back into this series, something that I shared last week, and, and I know I've been a little silly and sarcastic, so hone in just for this moment of seriousness, I, I like went into ministry because of what I'm about to say. I have personally wanted to, to quit several times and do something else for a vocational living, um, because of what I'm about to say, but I have thus far, God helped me continue all the way to the end, um, stayed in exactly what God has called me to do. And, and I pray the same for you because of my concern over what I'm about to say right now, this is, this statement is, is very similar to my life mission statement. And here's the fear. Here's the concern. My concern is, how many people say they believe in Jesus, but they live with no conviction? And Jesus addresses this often throughout the Gospels. How many people say they believe in Jesus, but they live just like people who do not believe in Jesus? And you cannot live with little to no conviction and claim that you are a Christian. Because biblically, biblically, my concern is those things don't go hand in hand. Paul, I believe the apostle Paul shared this conviction. If your neighbor's falling asleep, bump him and say, hey, he can see you. Okay. I just wanted to lighten it up a little bit. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and then also you can just prepare yourself. We're going to end up in John chapter 6 today. But 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is the second letter that Paul is writing to his protege, his son in the faith. And this is how he opens the fourth chapter. In the middle of this letter, he says, Timothy, I charge you. Okay. So this is important because watch the charge. In the presence of God. All right, this is a serious statement. I charge, if somebody ever grabs you and says, I charge you in the presence of God. Okay, they're business to say something serious. And then he says, and Jesus Christ himself, which is, is by the way, um, just an opportunity to maybe mention we should probably stop just throwing his name out there whenever we get frustrated about something. Um, God and Jesus Christ are not what God-fearing people should say whenever they get mad or something hap Okay, just something to work on. Let's keep going. He says, who is, who is to judge the living and the dead? And by his appearing and his kingdom. Okay, this is a serious statement. You with me? Verse 2. Preach the word. Like not in a pulpit. If you're going to preach stuff on social media, it should be scripture. It should be biblical, not political. Because we say a lot of stuff. But not all the stuff we say leads to a spirit of unity. It actually adds to the already divisive spirit that is tearing this nation to pieces and his church. Preach the word. If you're going to preach, if you're going to speak, preach the word. Preach the word in what you say. Preach the word in what you show. Because you can't just show it without saying it because they may just think you're trying to be a really good person. Because I know some Mormons who are really good people, but really good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Redeemed people go to heaven. So preach the word by what you show And what you say. They're equally important. I got to keep going. Paul says the same thing that the apostle Peter says, be ready in season and out. In other words, go on vacation, just with Jesus, not from Jesus. I mean, people forget they're a Christian because they go on vacation, think nobody can see them. Listen, you don't leave the Holy Ghost at home unless you do. (laughs) Our vacations can't grieve the Holy Spirit. If you go on vacation, I recommend, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to. I'm telling you. I'm going to take my family and Jesus with me. And then later on this year, we going to leave them three kids here, and me and her are going to take Jesus with us. <laughs> and pray he's omnipresent enough to stay with them at the same time. All right, so <laughs> in season and out, wherever you are, <laughs> reprove, rebuke, Man, that one's the uncomfortable one. Because we're really good as Christians at seeing what everybody else is doing wrong. We're just not bit good at being told what we're doing wrong. But Paul is talking to a Christian who's going to talk to Christians. And he said, be ready in season and out, not to just tell all the unbelievers how ungodly they are, but to reprove and rebuke and exhorts. He couldn't have put that in there to an unbeliever because you can't exhort an unbeliever. Exhortation is conviction with encouragement. It's an encouraging challenge that inspires and convicts all at the same time. And it's a gift that I don't really feel like I have, but other people do, and I'm grateful for them. And then he says, as a holy Roland." belligerent, angry individual that makes sure everybody knows the truth and that the truth will... No, that's not what he just says with complete patience. So this is the one we're not really that great at. Patience. And in other words, if it's not patient, it's not Christ-like. I have to, let me just help you, okay? Because I'm not throwing rocks at you, lest I condemn myself. Um, I have to go home this afternoon and bring my three children together and apologize for teaching and correcting and rebuking without patience. I did it just yesterday. Guys, we've got to get better at apologizing. Ladies, we've got to get better at apologizing. Because a child of God is known for their ability to ask for forgiveness. And when we mess up, we need to fess up. And hey, by the way, the greatest thing that you can do for a relationship is admit when you treated that relationship wrongly. Whatever it looks like. I got to keep going because I could preach in just this passage for the whole time. Okay. Verse 3, the time is coming when people will not endure. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 24, only those who endure to the end shall be saved. And what, what Paul is referencing in the letter to, to Timothy right now is not just this ability to endure physically, but the ability or willingness to receive and endure spiritually. This word endure, is, they're going to stop listening. Because you're going to say things that they don't want to hear, and they're going to go somewhere else so that somebody will say something they do want to hear. In fact, that's going to be the only people that they surround themselves because they don't really want to coach. They'd rather have a cheerleader. But they won't listen to sound teaching, but they have itching ears. I've been accused of this. Y'all go to that church. That's an ear-tickling preacher. I was like, have you ever heard me preach? You all know me. (laughs) Don't know me at all. They will go to people, because they have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They're only going to listen to people that agree with their ungodliness and say what makes them feel better about their sin. I'm, guys, I didn't say it, Paul. I'm just reading the Bible. Okay, don't get mad at the messenger. Okay, to be like throwing a rock at the dude that brings you your newspaper if you still get those because you don't have the internet. Okay, so or you want to support the local news, whatever. Verse. <laughs> sorry, what verse am I on? Four. And will <laughs> these people will turn away from? Underline that. Highlight that because that's my concern. Because I have seen person after person after person that when God doesn't do what they want, they walk away. When the preacher doesn't say what they want, they walk away. When the church doesn't serve what they want, they walk away. I've seen senior saints tenured in ministry because a pastor changed the type of light that was lighting the room. Leave a church stranded. There's something wrong with our heart. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Like we were created or we just developed from pond scum and evolved, even though there is no modern-day observation that you can make to prove evolution. They would rather put their faith in scientific lack of observation than they would scriptural reason that actually confirms the scientific lack of observation. They will turn to myths and fairy tales. I heard a dude the other day because when you begin to blur the lines of morality and identity, I saw a guy an interview with a popular actor the other day, he has decided that he affiliates as a tree. You can't make this crazy up, y'all, this is for real. My man thinks he has roots, not arms, for like legitimately, because when you blur the lines of identity and morality, then anything goes and when you remove scripture, you blur the lines. But don't get mad at the world for doing what the church has been doing for a long time now. Verse five, as for you, always be sober, even in South Louisiana. It's not okay to not be sober. I just want that one to simmer for a minute. Because it seems like sobriety is the most forgivable sin in South Louisiana. But it's not any different than any other sin that Jesus Christ shed his blood for. Don't you start justifying the sin that you stuck in just because somebody's sinning differently than you. I'm not even mad, I'm just reading. Endure suffering and do the work of an evangelist. So you don't have to be an extrovert to be obedient. You just have to do the work of an evangelist. That was, whoo, I, I wish I could stay there. Fulfill and fulfill your ministry. Because your ministry is not my ministry and my ministry is not your ministry. But if somebody, if you don't do your ministry, then it's not going to get done. Right. Paul saying to Timothy, I believe applicable to the church. Verse 9, he says this, do your best to come to me soon. This is his last letter. He's really he's really uh, appealing to Timothy in this letter. And then verse 9. for Now, my southern slang has heard this pronounced in verse 10. For Demas. I have heard my whole life. And I was going to preach a message called Don't Be Demas. But then I looked it up. The proper translation from the Greek of this man's name. And I listened to several sources. And the best way to pronounce this word is... Demas, okay? So instead of saying, don't be Demas, I decided to name the sermon, don't be a Demas, okay? I need, that's the way that you pronounce the word. For, for Demas, in love with the world, in love with the world, Paul says, has deserted me. In other words, he was a disciple. He was fulfilling his call that God had placed upon his life. He had made a decision for Jesus and he was doing the will of God. And yet, this guy, <laughs> whose name is Damas, is in love with the world more than the word. He believes in Jesus, but he lives with no conviction. And he has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So I'm preaching a message today called don't be a Demas. Don't marry a Demas. Don't be friends with a Demas. Don't follow a Demas. Don't get in a car with a, I mean, you just put it wherever you want to. But you need to understand that this is not a person, this is a spirit. Because only a Damas would depart from being a disciple. Foolish, mythical type followings instead of the word. Here's the eternal question today. I I really referenced this last week as well. What will I do? with what Jesus did. That's in your notes on the back of your bulletin. It's also in your notes on unischurch.com slash notes. And if you just take notes, then you'll also have it in your notes. It's just, for me, one of the saddest scriptures in the entire Bible, one of the most frightening are found in John chapter six. But, but I wanna lead up, just like we did with Luke chapter nine last week. I, I wanna explicate my way or explain my way through and to this particular passage today. So turn with me. In your Bible, analog parchment, and you can write in the margins, or you can scroll digitally in the Uversion Bible app and/or Blue Letter Bible app. I'm just giving you ref- references and resources now, or, or you can even pay a monthly subscription. How many of you pay a monthly subscription for entertainment on television? Just wave at me, monthly subscription. Okay, the rest of you are liars. Every one of you pay um, either that, or you stealing from somebody that does pay. It's not my fault. They signed in on my TV. No, no, no. Okay, whatever. So. <laughs> So if you pay for entertainment, let's pay a little for eternity. I don't know, it's just dependent upon what you wanna invest in. And if you like to invest in studying God's word, the Logos Bible software comes with an app. It's actually a really good way for you to invest in yourself to study scripture. Okay, John chapter six, verse 28. The people asked the same question that a lot of people ask today. Jesus, we wanna perform God's works too. What should we do? as if we are human doings, not human beings. What should we do? What what act, what work should we perform? Okay, and now I've preached this next part before, so I won't stay here long, but notice Jesus' response to their question. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work. I, I recommend highlighting that if you haven't done it already. This is the only work. God wants from you. Believe in, not about. Very important. Translation, as if I am stepping onto a ship. I don't just believe the boat can carry me, I believe the boat will carry me, okay? Believe in the one he has sinned believe in the one now I see this I see this as the heart of John chapter 6 again often it's it's ready it's better to read God's word from the inside out okay like to see from his perspective not the outside in which is to try to see from my perspective so I don't want to tell the Holy Spirit what I think it means, I I want the Holy Spirit to tell me what He thinks it. All right, that got better amens in the first service. We'll just keep going. So the heart of this, the heart of this passage, if you are going to attempt to live as a Christ follower in an antichrist culture, which by the way, we are officially in. And, and, and it just happens to be seeping over to America because on the other side of the world, people have been losing their lives over their faith. In fact, more people were martyred for Christianity. That means slain and murdered for the fact that they were a Christian. More people were martyred there for their Christianity in 2019 and 20 than had ever been martyred before in the history of Christianity itself. Including the Roman Empire. We are in an Antichrist culture. By the way, this shouldn't surprise us because John wrote a revelation and the Bible shows that the longer we're here, the closer we come. My concern is not that the Antichrist is coming, my concern is how many so called Christians live more for him than the actual Christ. That is the fear of my heart. And it was actually what caught my attention at 19 years old. I don't have time to share that whole story. But if you're going to, to attempt to live as a Christ follower in an antichrist culture, then, then you will begin to live this scripture out. Hey, by the way, that's really good news. Okay, because I feel an incessant pressure to perform. I feel an incessant pressure to produce as a person, in society, as a pastor of a church, as a child of God, right? Like, I feel like if I don't read my Bible, I'm condemned all day. If I don't pray, I'm condemned all day. If I didn't spend my five minutes, or I didn't do, if I made one mistake, it's like the, the spirit's ready to stomp me for my sin. Here's the good news, you ready? The only pressure that you should feel is the pressure To pursue God's presence. See, now the weight is lifted. Because this is no longer about my performance. This is now about his presence. That shifts this thing in the face of society and the enemy. Pastor Rick Warren, I was listening on air one and i know i don't agree with everything that rick warren says i did like his book i, I, I needed his book at a, in a season of life we don't agree on everything theologically but pastor rick warren the author of purpose-driven life i was listening to air one in between when they were playing uh gyra and uh yeah first service got that joke too better than you guys but that's okay i'll try again in third and they probably won't even never mind so uh I heard this, they'll do on occasion, they'll, they'll use uh, another popular pastor uh, across America. And, and this week they, they had this 30 seconds of wisdom. I love when Greg Laurie speaks. Greg Laurie is one of my favorite pastors. Again, even though I don't agree with everything theologically that he says, uh, this one was Pastor Rick Warren. Here's what he said. And I believe it goes in line with pursuing God's presence. He said, your greatest responsibility in life is to let God love you. Oh, that's good. Like eternally, transformationally great. Your greatest responsibility in life. So, Adeline, Emery, and Gabriel's greatest responsibility in life is to let me love them. Like to get out of their own way, to obey even when they don't understand, and to trust me to trust God. And your greatest responsibility in life is not to perform or produce, but to pursue God's presence and allow his presence to do those things through you because you have been given the right to be a child of God if you believe in that one work, believe in the one whom he sent. So everything, if, if this statement is true in, in John chapter six, verse 29, Jesus's words are true. Then hear me, watch this, every relationship I have is an overflow of the relationship I have with the Father. I, let me just use, um, what are they called? All right, what, prepositions, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I, I have a relationship, hear me, with the Father in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my relationship. The three are one and we have a relationship with the father in jesus name because you can't have a relationship with the father apart from jesus you can only have a relationship with the father in jesus that is the uh, exclusive claim of christianity there is no other way to god his name is jesus no other name which a man should be saved. so i have a relationship with the father in jesus name by the power of the holy spirit so if that is true then my relationship with the father is the heart that overflows into every other relationship. So if I wanna know how healthy my relationship with God is, all I have to do is look at my relationship with other people. If I wanna know how healthy my relationship with my father is, I just need to look at my relationship with my spouse. If I wanna know how healthy my relationship with my father is, I just need to look at my relationship with my children. Okay, hang on. If I want to know how healthy my relationship with my father is, I just need to look at my relationship with my boss. Boss, B-O-S-S. Extended family, crazy uncle. People with the last name Thibodeau. I mean, it's it's the first one that came to my mind. I should have said Fry, F-R-E-Y, not Y-E if I want to know, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? If you want to see how healthy your relationship with God is, then look at your relationship with your coworkers, Because the health of that relationship overflows into every other relationship. Verse 35, Jesus replied, I am. The same thing that the voice of God said out of the bush to Moses, tell him I am tell Pharaoh, I am. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Now, it's weird that Jesus said that because he just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 men with the women and children. So fifteen to 20,000 people. And, uh, and these people who were just fed from five loaves and two fishes, are standing there and Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you will never be hungry again and you will never be thirsty again. And I had, no, there had to be somebody in the crowd like I don't know about you, but I'm hungry right now. <laughs> like them fish we had wasn't enough, man. Like it's had some MSG in it or something. Like I'm still hungry. In fact, this brother don't do that again pretty soon. I'm gonna go get something else to eat. If he doesn't feed me the way I want him to, I'm going somewhere else. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me and eats the bread will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. this passage, in my mind, in the context of when it was written and who he was speaking to, by the way, The feeding of the 5,000 was not about you giving your material possessions to Jesus so that he could multiply it and make you famous. The point of the illustration of the feeding of the 5,000 was so that Jesus could then use that physical illustration to make a spiritual point, and he's making it right here. So we all agree right now, looking at the context of this passage, this is not about physical bread. This is not about physical drink. This is not an earthly conversation. Jesus has taken earthly things to prove an eternal point. You with me? Let's keep reading. Verse 53. So Jesus said again, you know, like every Sunday. Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man, and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Why did Jesus come to the earth? It's a rhetorical question. Don't try to answer it out loud. I'll probably say something else. Jesus came to earth to redeem the relationship that God had with man in the garden. When Adam walked in the cool of the afternoon, in the presence of the father that's why jesus came jesus christ did not come to earth to further establish rigid religious ritualistic rules that's not why he came jesus did not come to further expand Judaism, add the New Testament, and continue to hold people hostage to the same things that they were held hostage to in the book of Leviticus. It's not why he came. In fact, he used the feeding of the 5,000 physically to begin to prove a point spiritually, so when jesus said drink of my blood and eat of my flesh he was not advocating cannibalism he wasn't advocating the idea that we needed to physically add more rigid, rigid rogue routine to our already religious rituals. The Jews had that down better than any of us. They were really good at religion and rules. Jesus came... To take the religion and the rules, expose how the enemy was using them, and cover them in relationship, because the only way that you become righteous is through relationship, and the only way that you have relationship is through righteousness. (laughs) This is not a physical passage, this is a spiritual passage. Everything that Jesus said was about eternity. He is using the physical to illustrate the spiritual. He said this in verse 56, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. Verse 57, I live because of the living father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. This is not a, a physical eating of his flesh or a physical drinking of his blood. This is a spiritual understanding. And so then Jesus says it again in verse 58, I am. And just to really irritate them, he uses Moses as an example. Just to go ahead and affirm their suspicion that he's claiming to be God. He said, I am the bread of life, the true bread that came down from heaven and anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did when they ate the manna from heaven that Moses gave them. Because they're trying to help Jesus stop saying things that make him sound crazy. That's what they're doing. Because they would rather be popular than spiritual. And Jesus says, you'll live forever. Look, let's go to verse 61. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. <laughs> I, I, can, I can see. I can see your social media. You do know that, right? If you unfollow me, somebody else will show me. Unfollow me all you want to. If you unfriend me then the holy spirit will show a prophet instead of me. I can see you. You thought you were just complaining to a small circle of people that weren't going to share it? <laughs> Those are people, they can't keep secrets. Did you know complaining is a sin according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Jesus was aware that the disciples were complaining. So he said, oh, shy." I cooked a gravy yesterday too. Cajuns getting in my blood. (laughs) Then I added ragu and uh, fettuccine sauce to it. And my kids ate it up. (laughs) Because two of them were born in Arkansas and one was in East Texas. Alfredo sauce, vodka sauce. I didn't want to say vodka because I told you not to drink. So, mad real vodka. Okay. Anyways, does this offend you? Now, I don't know about you, but I hear everything that the Spirit says to me in sarcasm. I don't know if it's a gift or a curse, but Jesus says, Oh, does this offend you? (laughs) This is why I think it's sarcasm. The next verse says, then what are you going to think if you see the Son of Man do something that you didn't think He was supposed to do? What are you going to do when the Savior doesn't answer your prayer the way that you prayed it? What are you going to do when Jesus reveals to you that He's not just here to perform for you? What are you going to do when the blessing that you sang about in service this morning doesn't happen in the same way that you were believing for it to happen? If this offends you, then just wait. Because you'll never make it. Let me say this in light of this whole offense thing. I don't believe, according to the context of this passage, I don't believe that we just receive communion. I don't believe that we just receive the bread or the grape juice or the wine, depending upon where you go to church. I don't believe that we just receive the sacraments, dare I say, carefully because some people are going to share this. I don't believe that we just receive the Eucharist because I've been in Baptist churches, Methodist, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Pentecostal, Catholic, you put whatever title you want to on the sign outside. I've seen a lot of people receive communion but live with no conviction. So, I don't believe that Jesus was talking about eating bread or drinking drink and receiving communion. I believe he was talking about becoming communion. Because receiving communion is a ritual, it's a symbol. And it's not evil, it's okay to practice unless you put your identity in the practice instead of in his presence. Because he didn't come so that we could practice more. He came so that we could be more often in his presence. Verse 63 says, The Spirit alone This is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. This is not an earthly thing. It's about eternity. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Your best works are like filthy rags compared to a holy God, it accomplishes nothing. And that is a really good translation of that phrase. And the very words I have spoken. It seems like he would have said however. But I believe those who translated in this translation, this English Standard Version, understood that this was not a but and or a however. That this was a continuing thought. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. In other words, this is about relationship. When you spend time in God's word, it's not about you checking it off the list to feel better about your day, it's about relationship. You can't mess it up. When you spend time in prayer, it's not about making sure that you do that right before you go somewhere else because you were gonna mess it up if you didn't do it. No, 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 it's about relationship. It's about sitting. The thing that pleases your heavenly father the most is when you just sit with him. Any parent will tell you the favorite thing that they have from their child is when they don't need anything, they just want to be with them. You're not a better parent than God. (laughs) Human effort accomplishes nothing and the very words I've spoken to your spirit in life, the saddest verse in scripture. Jesus says all of this, he performs a sermon illustration where he feeds twenty thousand people and then he explains the illustration. And in John chapter six, verse sixty six, John 6, six six, we read the most demonic and frightening verse in all of scripture, in my opinion. Here's what it says in verse 66, and at this point, many of his disciples became a Damas. They departed. They turned away and deserted Jesus. Not the preacher, not the church, not the person. The Savior. Can you imagine how these people feel today? Because they may be in the same place as the wicked dead. But they're awaiting the great white throne judgment. Eternally separated from the Father. I'm telling you, this is all they think about. The moment that they stared life in the face and walked away. The moment that they heard the words of God himself and he told them something that they did not want to hear and he didn't do what they expected him to do so they departed from divinity. Many disciples. How many people say they believe in Jesus and live with no conviction? and call it religion then jesus in verse 67 turned to the 12 and asked you leaving too you gonna go with them now listen if if we had the worst verse in all of scripture the saddest or the most demonic verse in all of scripture then then we now now get to read the greatest response in all of God's word to me. And it came from Simon Peter. You know, the guy that nobody expected to say the right thing because he was always just saying stuff. Verse 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, hey, when you don't know what else to say, just say his name. There's still power. In the name of Jesus. Lord. He's saying Jesus. When you don't know. How to call. You just confess. Him is Lord. And then he says. Very proper grammar. To whom would we go? Translation. Where are we going to go? Where? Where are we gonna go? You have the words. Like, you're the only thing that matters. Government, politics, finances, friends, family. If they all turn against us, my church, where am I gonna go? You have the words that gave eternal life. He just confirmed in confession what Jesus had just said. Remember, Jesus said, in the words I give you are spirit and life. And Peter said, you have the words. So watch this, verse 69. We believe. Back up in verse 20-ish. The only work that God wants from you is that you would believe in the one whom he sent. Peter, if you don't get anything else right, you're going to need to remember this because you're going to make some mistakes. But as long as you will remember this, you will always end up back in the righteous, not just the right, the righteous place. Peter said, we believe and we know I'm sorry. I, I can't deny that Jesus exists. I know him. I've met him. I've spent time with him. I can't follow this addiction. I can't follow this temptation. I can't succumb to this peer pressure. I cannot sin with this society. I believe in Jesus. I believe and I know in the Holy One, One of God, nothing else can fill me like He can fill me. This world doesn't have anything to offer that can affect my eternity. So I choose Him instead of them. I choose His instead of theirs. I believe. So when Jesus asked me to do something that doesn't make any sense, I closed with this this morning what will i do with what jesus did paul said in second timothy chapter 4 verse 10 for demas he's departed because of his love for the world and the things that the world has to offer. He left me. So, will you be a departer or a disciple? The choice is very alive for the church in this society. We bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I pray right now, your word does not return unto you void, that it would produce what you sent it forth to accomplish right now. I wanna invite every follower of Jesus in the room right now, every follower of Jesus, I wanna invite you to examine your heart, examine your daily life. If you say you believe in Jesus, allow the Holy Spirit to help you identify some areas where you need to become a little bit more like him. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you, to conform you, to mold you into his image and likeness. As Jesus prayed in John 17, I and them, they and me, that they may be made perfect. If that's you, just begin to let God work that out. If you're in the room right now or you're watching online and, and you're not confident of who you are in Christ, because your life looks more like Damas than a disciple, a departer than it does divine. If it looks more earthly than it does eternal, that's you. I wanna invite you right now to just open your hands in your lap. In a posture of surrender, even though you don't understand, will you obey? and surrender your life to the Savior today. Not depart, but follow. And confess as Peter confessed, where am I gonna go, Lord? Who who else am I going to follow? I believe and I know that you are the Holy One of God. If that's you, open your hands in your lap, right where you are. Church, I wanna invite you to pray out loud as well so that anybody, that is not confident of their relationship with Jesus would be willing to confess him as Lord for the first time or the first time in a long time, we want you to walk out of here confident of who you are as a child of God. Come on, I wanna invite you right now. Let's all pray this together. Pray it with me, say it out loud. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short. I've doubted, I've been tempted to depart even been disobedient, cleanse me and save me. You came to have relationship with me to redeem and restore me to you. You died on the cross. You shed your blood to wash away my sin. You were raised from the dead so I could be born again and made new just like you joint heirs, a child of God. So take my life and make it yours. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. May I never take it back. I surrender all right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?